Hello, hello, and welcome to the Your Latina Mentor podcast with your host, Isabel Restrepo, or Isabel Restrepo, as I got used to saying growing up in Minnesota so that people would understand me. And that's actually a perfect example highlighting what this podcast is all about, where I'll be sharing experiences, tools, and resources to navigate what it means to be a woman, a Latina, an immigrant, and everything in between what I like to call this human experience. Part of the inspiration for this podcast is also that I didn't have a Latina mentor growing up, and I wish that some of the things that I'm going to share with you, somebody would have shared with me. I am so happy that you are here. Welcome. Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I am so excited to dive into the content with you today. And this episode is a little bit different. I think usually I have a certain topic that I want to talk about. And while this is a certain topic that I want to talk about, I think it really encompasses what this podcast is really all about. I've been doing a lot of reflection around your Latina mentor, about my own experience, about the experiences of the clients that I've worked with and how that all really affects our day-to-day life. And so this podcast is really kind of going back to the beginning of like, what was the inspiration for this podcast? And it's funny for some, I was listening to Selena Quintanilla earlier today And I keep thinking about Selena and Bad Bunny and the experience of, well, not just music in mainstream, you know, Latino music in mainstream culture, but I guess like my own experience with music in culture and what does that even have anything to do with all of this? I swear that it it will all come together. Just bear with me for a second. So if you're new to this podcast and you're just tuning in, I'll give the really brief version of I was born in Medellin, Colombia, and I moved to Minnesota when I was seven and mostly grew up in Minnesota. And now, mind you, I was usually the only non-white person in my classroom. There was like me and like one other black person in the school you know, it was very white suburbs of Minnesota. And on one hand, I remember my, my older sister, she had this friend who was, is from Mexico and she brought home a Selena tape. My older sister brought home a Selena tape because her friend gave it to her. I'm pretty sure. Or, or we like happened to all be together when we were listening to Selena. I don't know the specifics, but the point is that I heard Selena in this suburb of Minnesota and I was just like, oh my gosh, someone is singing in Spanish. Like what? And I'm here in Minnesota away from my home country and someone is speaking in Spanish and singing and like other people know about her. I mean, it was not very mainstream at all, but or at least where I was in the area where I lived, except with my sister and her older friend who was Mexican. But I just remember being like, wow. And just like, I I can like still picture like the cassette tape <laughs> with her image in the front. 
Fast forward, what does that have anything to do with Bad Bunny? Fast forward to earlier this year, and I'm, I used to teach a human design course and the teaching team and, you know, the team that all worked on this course, we were all getting together in Washington, D.C. We're hanging out. And I don't know how this came up, but Bad Bunny came up and people knew who he was. And I was just so surprised. Like I feel like my little Isabel self back in Minnesota, like obsessed with Selena, like who was so amazed that someone was singing in Spanish. And and then fast forward to a couple of months ago, Isabel, where I was just like, oh my God, I'm in a room full of people that don't speak Spanish. They're not Latinx. And they know who Bad Bunny is? Like, what? Like, what? <laughs> it was just like a time where, like, I was just like, wait, what? Like, the the music that I listened to, this person that, you know who that is. And now, mind you, like, Bad Bunny has blown up, okay? He has, like, blown up. He's all over the radio. I think he's, like, the first person to win a billboard or something or other that's a Spanish speak. I, I forget what the statistic is. So like, mind you, by the time of this recording, he is like completely blown up. But like, I, I guess just it, it really speaks to this unique experience that I have had and that many of my clients have had and that many people have had as a woman, as a Latina, as an immigrant, as a Spanish speaker, as a, you know, Spanish music listener, where we're in this world of binaries, we're in this world of this and that. And now it's like thundering, it's going to rain any moment now. And it's like, yes, bring on the thunder. I really hope you can hear that on the other side, because I feel like it just like, nature's like, yes, talk about this. <laughs> or at least that's what it feels like. But I I want to highlight that sometimes it does feel like, oh my gosh, I'm in, I'm the only one in the room who knows who Bad Bunny is. I'm the only one in the room who knows who Selena is. I'm the only one in the room who speaks Spanish. I'm the only woman in the room. I'm the only, um, you know, woman with a master's degree in the room. And that has happened so many times to me, like to be the only woman in the room or to be the only person in the room that X where, in the majority, it's, you know, a room full of men or a room full of white people or a room full of people that do not look like me. And just the unique experience that that holds and how sometimes it can feel very empowering, but then at other times it can feel really intimidating. And like, why do I look around and no one else is in the room here with me that is like me that shares these experiences with me? And as I was thinking about this topic for this podcast and kind of my why, like why did I find the reason to start this podcast? Why do I want to talk about these things? And it was, and I think it's really because these are things that I've been wanting to talk about for years, but I just haven't been able to express it as openly. There's been some wounds that have needed to be healed. There's a little bit of like, you know, kind of the fears that we go through of, is anyone going to listen to what I have to say? But 
thank you for being on these on the other side of this microphone and you're listening, whether you're in your car or you're at home or you're working out or whatever it may be and including me in part of your day. And, you know, I think sometimes when I do share these personal stories, the response is just so beautiful of like, ah, wow, like I also had that experience. I also felt that. I've also experienced something similar and it feels really good to know that I'm not alone. And I've gotten that response not just from, you know, Latinx, Latinas, immigrant women. I've had other people from other cultures and races and experiences reach out. And it really, I think, speaks to the fundamental truth of, yes, we have similarities and yes, it can feel really comforting to know that someone else has had a similar experience to mine not to say that like I want other people to go through the hardships that I've gone through but it feels like oh my goodness thank you like I'm not alone in this I'm not alone in this human experience other people do go through these things and and these are things to be talked about and so to kind of lead me into this next topic. I was looking at statistics. I was really reflecting on like, okay, I remember being in Minnesota and I graduated from high school and I went to college, which also in and of itself is such a privilege. Like my family, my parents both went to university. Education's a really big thing in my family. Like you, you go to school and you learn. And there's a phrase in Spanish that's like, que le quiten todo menos su educación. It's like, they take away everything except your education. It's like, the more you learn, the better. And I remember my dad always being like, don't worry about boys. Don't worry about this. Like, just focus on school, focus on school, focus on school. And so I did focus on school. And I remember maybe like a couple of years ago, he's like, well, aren't you going to like get a boyfriend or something? I'm like, you've literally told me my whole life to focus on school. And now you want me to like meet someone. What are you talking about? Anyway, that's a whole other <laughs> that's a whole other topic. But anyway, I was sitting, I graduated from high school. I went to the University of Minnesota Twin Cities and there was this program called Casa Sol, which is like for incoming freshmen to meet other Latino students. And they have special, um, activities and courses. And it's really about building community within the university. And I just remember this statistic sticking out to me so much that it has always just like stayed with me. And it said that of the Latinos that do attend college in Minnesota, only 4% actually graduate from college. And so there I was, I'm in a room full of Latinos. And I, I, when I say I'm in a room full of Latinos, it's like 20 people, okay? This is not a lot of people. You can dive into the statistics of Latinos and universities and all of that. But the one that really stuck out to me was like, only 4% will graduate from college. And I was part of that 4%. I did graduate college. And when I graduated college, I loved school and it was also like, a recession, there were no jobs. So I was like, I'm going to go to grad school. I went to grad school and there were other students there, other Latino students, not a lot though, like not a lot. Let's get real here. It's even less when you go into higher degrees. And so then I started working. I worked at Telemundo, which is, it's a Spanish language network. A lot of Latinos work there, but outside of that, when I left that and I went to NBC Universal, or when I went to Google, it was like, I was 
very often the only Latina in the room. And when I looked around, where were these Latinas or Latinos in executive roles? There weren't any. Like, where, where, where is everyone? <laughs> so I often found myself being the only person in the room. And I think for a long time, it felt really lonely. Like, it was like, wait, I want someone to look up to. There isn't anyone for me to look up to. I guess I'll have to look up to myself. And that can be really overwhelming. I feel like for a long part of my life, that has been the case. It's like, I don't see anyone else that's leading me. Okay, I'm going to lead myself. And that can look like translating documents because my parents didn't speak English right away when they first moved to the United States. And because we were in school, we were learning it at a much faster rate and because we were little and all of those things. And so the other thing I was looking at is like of, of Latinos at Google, and this is like I was looking at 2018, 2019, 2020, those are the years that I was there. It went from 5.3% to 5.9%, and that's including men. So again, when I'm looking around, I'm like, oh, I'm the only Latina here. I'm one of the youngest people in this room. I'm one of the only women. Like <laughs> a lot of times in situations where I'm the only one in the room that's like, wait a second, what's happening here? And so as I kind of dug a little bit deeper and dug a little bit deeper, this thing of imposter syndrome also came up. It was like when I was looking at statistics of Latinas in tech or Latinas in higher education, women are 22% more likely than men to a report experiencing imposter syndrome in tech and STEM professions. So here I was at Google feeling imposter syndrome, also being the only, one of the only Latinas there, sometimes one of the only women, and like the pressure, like the intensity, the like culture of needing to prove yourself. And it's like, fuck, man, I'm already here. Like, do you know how much I've like gone through to just be here and I still have to prove myself? And not to say that like, oh, I'm here, I'm just going to like relax and not do anything. But there's this underlying societal pressure, both from family, culture, the workforce in Google itself, and the way that they look at peers and do their um, evaluation process. It's like, all of these things can be really, really intense and daunting and heavy. And so when I kind of went through my own process and by working with clients on my one-to-one, -one, when I used to work with one-to-one -one clients and kind of hearing about their own process, and I'm talking about Latinas who are educated, who are highly, highly skilled and beautiful. And just like when I think of the women that I've had the pleasure of working with, I'm just like, y'all are some badass chicks, okay? <laughs> And when I think about that, I'm like, wait, why is there so much pressure? Why is there so much, like, it's like you have to be proving yourself at work. You have to be taking care of your family. You have to be an example for your family. You're very many times breaking barriers within your family. Like, I remember at one point, I'm like, oh my God, I'm making more money than my parents have ever made. And I'm like in my late 20s, early 30s, like, whoa, this is wild. I, 
and it can feel kind of like, whoa, 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 I have all of this, like, this is so new, this is so intense, what do I do with all of this? And it can be really good things, like, I'm I'm not saying that, oh my gosh, no, life is so good, oh no, it's so hard, but like... <laughs> I'm saying it can be really good things, but that doesn't take away the intensity and the pressure of it all. And so when I started thinking about, okay, why this podcast? Why do I work with the people that I work with? Why do I offer these courses that I offer? And it really just started like really coming to me. And it's like, sometimes you might be the only woman in the room that does that thing. And that's okay. And there can be a lot of pressure that comes with that. But there's a reason why you're there. And I really wish that had I heard some of these things in the moments that I needed to hear them, I I think it wouldn't have felt so lonely, especially when you have your family and your social circle that's like, but wait, everything is so good at this company. What do you mean that you're going to leave? Or what do you mean that you, you know, you, you know, you should be so grateful. And it's like, yeah, I am grateful, but I also worked really hard. And at the end of the day, is this actually giving me that joy? Is that giving me that fulfillment? And so, the issue that I'm really seeing is you have these really high achieving women who are pushing themselves so much. They're graduating college. They're graduating from their master's. They're working these great jobs that are really demanding. And yes, part of that includes me, but I also am speaking to the clients that I've worked with. And why is there so much burnout? Like, yes, at a global scale, we're all burning out. And this is like, we're noticing that this is not the way to live. Yes, yet, yet it keeps going. But why is there this added layer of the nuanced experience of the Latina immigrant woman? And what can I do to kind of help relieve some of that? And I think for me, well, one, it was leaving that um, my Google role. It was just not aligned for me anymore. I wanted something different for myself. And it was just like, I can't ignore that part of me that that is like screaming at me that it's time to go. And that's okay. I mean, that's also like part of my journey. Like <laughs> I'm changing jobs, I'm doing different things. And like, that's just part of me and who I am. And and sometimes that might not work for you. Sometimes it feels really good for you to be stable in a job, but why wouldn't you want to be stable in a job that makes you feel really good? And stability can look like so many different things. For me, stability has been, I get to choose the freedom of time and how I use my time. And that for me has been completely stabilizing in the way that I approach my day to day. And so stable quote-unquote can mean so many things and that's the other thing like you get to decide you get to decide what stability means for you you get to decide what happiness means for you you get to decide what peace means for you a lot of the times when I work with people they're like I just want to I just want more peace and calm in my life and that can look like so many different ways that can look like taking a nightly bath if you want to without feeling guilty or without feeling the pressure from your family that you have to do dinner with them every, you know, whatever it may be. I mean, I, now I'm just making stuff up, but like it can look so different for you and for me. And that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of 
how I work with people because it's like you get to decide what works for you and what works for me might not work for you. For example, I love having a slow morning. Like that was like a thing for me. I remember when I was still at Google, I was like, I just want a morning to myself. And I cherish, I wanted it so bad. And now that I have it, I'm like, oh yes, I cherish it so much. But the funny thing is lately I've been really craving waking up a little bit earlier and like kickstarting my day, but on my terms, right? So I get to choose, I get to decide and it gets to be flexible. It can change at any moment. So it's kind of this freedom to do what you want with your time, what you want to do with your money, how you want to spend your time with significant others or by yourself too. Like you get to decide what that freedom looks like for you specifically. It's about getting really, really honest about what your true heart's desire is. What do you want that freedom to look like? What do you want that freedom to feel like? And really, really kind of creating this life that's really on your terms. And when you really get down to your true heart's desire, it has a ripple effect. You start to create healthy bonds with yourself. You're going to do the things that you actually say that you're going to do. You start creating healthy bonds with your family members, with your significant other. It's like, yes, this is what I want for me. And that might be different than what you want for me or what I want for you. But at the end of the day, it's like, we're going to stay true to our heart's desires and create these healthy bonds. And I don't know about you, but I know for me and a lot of my clients, it's like, healthy bonds weren't always models. Like there's some real difficulties, I think, within the Latin community of of boundaries and time and alone time. And that can be such a foreign concept. But now it's like, oh no, we can we can teach the older generations. We can teach our siblings. We can teach the people around us by really uh, doing it ourselves and being the example, kind of like... Um, What's the saying? Oh, I forget the saying. Oh, be the change you want to see in the world. There we go. And so it's like when you start creating that healthy bond with yourself, it has that ripple effect of the people around you, your family members, your significant other. When I think about this podcast, when I think about my experience, I also like, can we talk about sex positivity for a second? Like for so long, and this can be, sex positivity in the way of like, yes, obviously like sex and pleasure and how it's not dirty. And this like, I don't know, there's some real messed up messages from the Catholic church and culture. Like Columbia is very Catholic and it's like, sex is bad. Don't have it yet. Every like song and everything else is talking about sex. (laughs) So I'm like, wait, there's some discrepancy here. We've got some like, macho machismo like cultural like sexually frustrated people here we need to like can we make sex a positive thing can we talk about it as being just pleasure is okay pleasure is an essential part of life it doesn't always have to be sexual pleasure it can be regular pleasure like oh my god there's a prayer where and and again i'm talking about my experience 
You can totally believe in the Catholic church and the Catholic religion and still be okay with sex. I'm just speaking about my experience. But first, like the message I got growing up was like, sex is dirty. Sex is bad. Don't have it. If you have sex, you're going to get pregnant and you can't have an abortion because you're going to kill your baby. So that's it. Like that is like so dramatic because that is exactly the message around sex that I grew up with. And it took a long time for me to be like, oh, wait, no, sex isn't dirty and sex isn't bad. And sex is actually a really healthy, positive thing that you can do with yourself or with the company of someone else. And it can be good and it can be safe and it can be uh sharing intimacy and a sharing of love and just it can be fun and it can be playful like what like there's like this whole other world so like and and I can make this be a part of everyday life like what what (laughs) and I I laugh because I just find it so wild that unfortunately the history of of sex and the way that it's been talked about in my life and the life of my people around me is just like, wait, what the what? Like, what? How did this happen? How did how did this happen? How did this happen? Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Oh my gosh. Yes. Good song. But how we can it's an essential part of life. And also I think with that, with sex positivity, it's for me has been such a ride to be able to safely express my femininity. And so for so long, it's like, I'm so much in my masculine. I'm like, I I must do and I must prove and I have to study and I have to get these degrees and I have to work this job and I have to like be tough in the workforce and all these things. And it's like, whoa, the more that I've also embraced sex and sexuality and pleasure, it brings this other element of femininity, of flow, of, oh, things can be good and they can be safe and... And I want to caveat too that, well, I guess like pause for a trigger warning. If you have a difficult relationship with sex because there have been situations that were out of your control where you have been a victim of sexual abuse, like definitely hit pause or fast forward. Um, But I want to mention that a lot of my clients too, they've had really tough situations with with this topic and through working with them and through them connecting again with their own body with their own sexuality it's been so healing it's like oh that thing happened and that wasn't necessarily my fault and and I can be myself and I can be safe in my body and I can be safe in my pleasure and I can be safe in my sex and that creates a world of difference. So I just want to just take a pause and caveat that sometimes there can be really difficult situations that that have created a space where sef- sa- where sex isn't safe. And I want to acknowledge that too, because it isn't just like all of a sudden flipping a switch and and it can be a process to kind of heal that, heal the wound of that, have your body kind of release some of that and your heart and all of that. So I want to just take a moment to to pause and reflect on that too. And and I mentioned that because 
I I used to work at Telemundo and I had this um, executive guy who was married with children, whatever, like older, viejo verde. And he was like saying to me, oh, like I'll cheat on my wife with you. Like, let's go get a hotel room. Anytime there were events, uh, work events, he would always like hit on me. He's like the balls in your court. And he would send me emails. He would just like, uh, just uh, like harass me. And I remember, and this went on for like a year. It was so uncomfortable. I hated going to work. That was like one of the reasons why I was like, I'm leaving this place. I never want to come back here again because I'm fucking sick of these men being dirty and like gross. But I remember even then in that situation being like, oh my God, thank God that he like never tried anything physical with me. And I could only imagine the the intensity of what that would be like. And so while I have not experienced sexual assault myself, I have worked with clients who have and unfortunately, it's very common in the Latin community to have experienced some of these things. And so I just want to, I want to acknowledge that it can be hard and it can be something that brings up a lot of things as I mentioned this. So if you are needing extra support, definitely reach out. Um, I can provide some great therapists who have helped me process things. I don't do one-to-one work anymore in, in terms of processing traumas, but I do have a lot of great resources. So if this is something that you're wanting to work through, definitely reach out and, or not like, of course, like do your own research, but, but it's important. I think it's important to acknowledge that this does happen and that, this is something that unfortunately happens often and and to kind of go back to the story that I just shared where yes I wasn't sexually assaulted but harassment like I guess to say it's like how shitty that I have to think about well good thing that it didn't go so far because no type of harassment or assault should be even in quite like none of that should happen. And so I guess I just get very angry. Some like when I start thinking about this and the injustices and the things that women have to go through from people that are close to them, like I just ugh, like it just makes me so angry. And so the way that I kind of transmute that anger and kind of use that energy so it's not wasted on these fuckers is that I'm gonna know you know what fuck you I'm gonna embrace my sexuality I'm gonna embrace and love my body and I'm gonna feel safe in my body I'm gonna help other women feel safe in their body too so like fuck you okay (laughs) whoa I just got all fired now I just hit the table I got all fired up because it makes me mad and and in, instead of just kind of throwing that anger away, it's like, okay, let's channel this anger. Let's use it. Let's, let's talk about this because we need to talk about this. We need to talk about these experience. And so creating that space for body sex positivity, for sex positivity, for pleasure to be okay, for, for empowerment in yourself and in your body, like that's, Yes, like sign me up for that. And all the other women that are listening to this 
or people that identify as women or people who have gone through similar things as this and are ready to just like be safe in their body and be safe in their pleasure and be safe in their sex positivity. Like, yes, let's do it. And I, I, I'm just getting all fired up. Okay. (laughs) One of the other things that I want to talk about that I am finding very important is the importance of acknowledging that yes, things are hard, but it's okay to laugh as we go through it and bringing that element of playfulness. I think for me, this past year has been all about like listening to my inner child and healing the parts of me that thought that I couldn't play because I couldn't play when I was younger because I was forced into some things that made me grow up a lot faster. And it's like, oh, I can actually play. Like I don't have to take care of everyone all the time. I can laugh and cry at the same time. I can, I can have fun while I'm doing all the hard things. Like, oh, what a relief. Like it doesn't have to be so serious. Yes. And so when I work with people now, especially in the courses or workshops, it's like, let's have an element of play. Life is hard enough already. Like, you know, at work, people are so serious and busy. And it's like, whoa, whoa, calm down. Like, let's bring it down. Let's bring it back to playfulness. How can we incorporate playfulness into our day to day? And how do we bring that element of childlike wonder into everything that we do? Or at least for me, I know that I really like to do that because the more that I connect with my inner child, the more that I am able to listen to that intuition and that inner guidance. And that really, really motivates me to just keep going and to keep playing. Even this podcast, like I think I've mentioned before that I used to sit in my room with a little tape recorder and I would like sing into this little tape recorder and I would talk and like record myself. And this podcast is an extension of that. It's the playful version of me of my inner child having that fun in the room yet now I'm adult is about playing in the microphone playing with the microphone now in the room and it can still feel really good and playful and one of the things that I think I've been in groups with other women and when we share it's like I'll laugh and cry and both at the same time and you know 20 seconds I'm crying and then 20 seconds later I'm laughing even with my partner now I'm like I'm happy I promise (laughs) don't worry I'm just crying because I'm just have a lot of emotion (laughs) and I laugh because sometimes he's like are you okay (laughs) and I'm like yeah I just have a lot of feelings (laughs) And now I'm just thinking about the scene from Mean Girls where they're doing the activity and the girl that doesn't even go there, she's like, I just have a lot of feelings. (laughs) Anyway, that's me sometimes. But again, it can be playful. We can laugh and we can cry and we can go through all of it. And it's okay. It doesn't have to be so serious. One of the other things that really jumps out and... It's, you can be bougie. You can have nice things. You can want nice things, even if you didn't grow up having nice things. I mean, I think about the days of when I, well, there's a couple of stories. So one is I used to live, we used to not have a lot of money growing up. It was like, you know, the bare, the bare minimum. You know, we had food, we had clothing, we had school, like we had, we were, we were okay. But the extra things 
it was always like a special treat. So for example, at my school, like everyone wore Abercrombie and Fitch and American Eagle. And like when I, I think it was like sixth or seventh grade, everyone had these like tracksuit pants that like buttoned up on the sides, but I never had any because they were too expensive. But I remember on one of my birthdays, it was like the Adidas shoes, the three stripes on the side. That was like, what was, that was like the fashion. And I remember just being like, I don't want anything. I don't want a party. I don't want a cake. I just want the Adidas shoes, like, please. And I think maybe, I have no idea how much they cost now. And, but during, during that time, it was just so expensive. Like for, for us, it was just out of, out of our usual spending amounts and I remember I was gifted these shoes for my birthday and I was so happy and I was just like oh my god this is everything I've ever wanted you know (laughs) or like for Christmas or for birthdays again it was like I just want one American Eagle t-shirt but like make sure that you can see that it says American Eagle so it's like I belong I am also part of this I also have like means to play or whatever. And so I think because I grew up not having access to a lot of nice things, um, and not to say that everything that's nice is expensive, or if it's expensive, it has to be nice. I'm just, I'm using really broad terms. But when I think back to those times, to now where I'm in a position where I can choose the thing that I want, even if it's a little bit more expensive and it's okay. I can feel good about it. I don't have to feel like I shouldn't be spending money on that or I don't deserve it or I'm not worthy of it. Like I have, yes. And I have totally gone through all of those phases of, oh my gosh, this jacket's really expensive, but I really want it. Is this something that I should quote unquote be spending my money on or do I just want to and I'm now I'm like I can do it I can buy it I want it fuck it whatever like there's no need to be feeling unworthy of it or shameful and I'm I'm kind of pausing because I'm like having this realization of like oh my god I really did go through that whole process of like no this is scary this is too much and I'm not worthy of it. You know, like I didn't work hard enough for this, which is a whole other, that's a whole other topic that we cover, but, um, kind of like just I have full permission to like be your bougie selves. And I, I say this too, because my, especially my sister, she used to tease me so much when I was younger and be like, Oh my God, you're so bougie. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Like it has to be this. It has to be that. And I, I like felt bad about it for so long because I'm like, oh my God, it's bad to like want nice things. But now I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Yes, I am bougie. Yes, I want the thing. Yes, I do like nice, nice things and like whatever. Like, I don't care. I don't care what you say anymore. Like, this is, this is what I, what I want. And like, yeah, I, that's what I like. So bye. And like being totally unapologetic about it. And I want to caveat too, I think there's like a whole meaning around being bougie and I, I'm i not as familiar as with the like, I guess like 
Yes, it means to be middle or upper class. But when I talk about being bougie, it's just like, oh, I want nice things. And sometimes it's just more expensive. So I want to caveat that too. Like, I think there, I haven't done enough research into the word of bougie to be able to like fully go into that topic. But I will caveat that the bougie I'm talking about is just like, I just want nice things and that's okay. All right. All right. (laughs) And the last thing I really want to talk about is having this connection to your story, your background, your ancestors, and how much that can really support you. I know for me, coming to Colombia, living in my homeland, really connecting with my roots has been game changer for me. And connecting with my story, not just the generations before me, but even just me, my childhood, my kind of looking at the way that my parents lived and the decisions that they've made to immigrate to another country, my own decision to move back and what that means and how I give it meaning and on all of the things and definitely how, I mean, I'm Colombian. I'm, I have indigenous blood. I have the colonizer blood within me. I have African blood. I have a mix of all of these things and how can I really connect with my roots and what does it mean and how can I be at peace with myself versus like this internal struggle that I think that so many people go through. Again, like going back to the beginning of this episode where I'm talking about the binaries, where I'm talking about this and that Latina woman immigrant and what that all means and how it can look so different and how I can go from really, I mean, being taught to put other people's needs above my own How do I let go of having to listen to everyone else's wants and needs before my own? How do I really tap into listening to what I want, like true heart's desire? I lived for so many years thinking about all the things that I should be doing that I was like, wait a second, I can like listen to myself instead. That's amazing. How different, like how different would it be if everyone started really listening to themselves and their intuition and kind of stop listening to the shoulds. And I think it's really about getting really clear and certain and knowing how to focus and channel your energy, knowing what to do with all that anger. I mean, I mentioned earlier that sometimes I just get so angry when I think about all the injustices that us women have to go through and I'm like, fuck, but how, what, what can I do with that? How can I channel that so that it's going somewhere versus like just, you know, fizzling out on myself or others? You know what I mean? Like, it's really, how do I channel that? How do I know what it is that I want to say yes to? Like, what do I want to say yes to? And, and it's, I mean, I have a very clear vision what I want to say yes to, but it's taking me a process to get there. And sometimes when I work with clients, it's like, well, what do you want? And it's like, well, I know what I don't want. I don't want this job anymore. I don't want this type of relationship anymore. I don't want to be always doing what my parents want me to do anymore. And it's like, great. So then what do you want? And then they're just kind of like, oh shit, I don't know. Like, what is that? Yes. What do I do with all this fire, this energy, this, this, this rage, this focus, like, uh, you know, the clients that I work with, they're 
educated, they're intelligent, they're fierce, they love deeply. And it's like, what do I do with all of that? I think some of it is like, I have so much to give, but I don't know where to put it. So the reason why this podcast exists, the reason why the courses that I create exist, it's because of all of this. I have felt like that so many times in my life that it's like, okay, no, we women do not need to feel like this anymore. It's time to make a change, time to implement boundaries, time to get really clear and focused and certain on what it is that you want and time to start saying yes to yourself, to the life that you want to build, to the dreams that you have in your mind that you daydream about that are really deep and honest and cultivating what does that peace look like for you? What does that calm look like for you? And really getting clear with that and really not just dreaming it, but actually doing it. And so, yeah, I'm... (laughs) I am all fired up after this episode. Whoa. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So before I end, I do want to invite you. So this comes out on Wednesday. So if you listen to this the day that it comes out, I invite you to join me tomorrow, Thursday, October 13th at 7 p.m. Eastern time. I'm going to host a free masterclass on Jumpstart Your Manifestations. And we're going to go through some of these things in deeper detail. And don't worry, if you're not able to join live, you can uh, watch the replay. It'll be available to you. So you can check it out. All of the information will live on the website at www.yourlatinamentor.com slash courses, uh, whether that's to sign up or if it's after the date, um, all of the information will be there. So join me if you can. I'm so excited. And of course, like, let me know what resonates. And to, to tie it back together, kind of, you know, Selena and Bad Bunny and how this all started <laughs> is like, I, I guess... Part of the reason for this podcast and part of the reason for the work that I do is that it feels really good to know when someone else knows your struggle, when someone else knows kind of the nuances of the things that you go through to be, I want to be the person for you in the room that knows who Bad Bunny is, you know, like that knows at a deep level what that means. Like, yes, of course, like, yes, I know who Bad Bunny is, but like, you know, like, I know, you know, or like, you know, Selena, you know, Selena, you know, (laughs) it's like just a whole other level of what that can really feel like and have the support and have these conversations and have the nuanced things that we go through that are just really unique to us as women, as Latinas, as immigrants, as people who don't quote unquote fit the norm, the people who have been the only person in the room creating these changes. And how do we find a way to be comfortable in the room, to feel empowered when we're in the room and how to support each other when it gets really tough to be the only person in the room. And so I invite you to the masterclass. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode. I am so fired up. I'm like, I need to like go drink some water. I need to go outside. I'm just like, whoa, I'm on a ride. So thank you so much. And I will see you on the next episode. Bye. 
Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of the Your Latina Mentor podcast. If you like what you heard, please let me know by leaving a review and sharing it with friends and family. If we aren't friends on social media yet, go check out Instagram at Your Latina Mentor or check out the website yourlatinamentor.com and we will see you on the next episode. Talk soon.